This week on Full-Time Roundup, Liverpool have their special moment. Rule 6 Rebirth, Enrique Ball for PSG, are Bayern Leverkusen contenders, and is Lel Masia back? We discuss this and so much more, and here we go! And welcome in to Full-Time Roundup. Uh, my name is Matt Gesslin, with me as always, Daniel Brackett. Uh, Daniel. Great to have you back. Great to be here chatting some European football. Love to start it off this week. We didn't get into this last week, but what are we wearing today? What are the kits that we have on this week? So to start out, good to see you, Matt. Unfortunately, we are we are virtual today, just to let you guys know. Um, but uh, we plan to do most, most uh, video recordings in person. So what I'm wearing today, I'm rocking an old school united states jersey it's a black one with the one sleeve is red one sleeve is uh blue so nothing on the back but i uh, thought we'd just go with the classic today matt how about you yeah definitely arguably one of my favorite u.s men's national team kits not gonna lie besides that clean white one but one of the better ones uh, i went with a chelsea kit as you can imagine long sleeve uh, throwback to a yokohama uh, sponsored kit, no no name on the back as well. Pretty standard. I don't usually do names because guys leave, and whenever you get one, um, it never lasts, especially from a club perspective. National team maybe a little bit differently, but uh, yeah, uh, like Daniel mentioned, we are remote. Uh, po- potentially my my fault as I am under the weather, but uh, we managed to make it work. Thankfully, um, technology has allowed us to do this. So we're here with you guys talking European football like we always do. Um, I do want to get to this one random fact that Daniel has posted that he wanted to talk about i did not know this until i saw this as well but daniel please share with us this most random fact that has nothing to do with european football but still is is relevant and and quite an interesting fact for for our listeners so i thought there's nothing more fun than trivia so might as well have a random fact every pod so uh for this one it's going back to uh, 1991 until 1991 soccer was a legal sport in mississippi so take that what you will don't know much more information on that just thought it'd be a nice little icebreaker before we get into it right matt absolutely and for all of our friends down in mississippi i say this with the utmost respect i am not surprised by any of that but that is totally neither here nor there i'm sure we will get lots of comments from the folks on twitter and other social channels that we have available to us. So, um, of course, we are available on Twitter to interact. Uh, my handle is Life of M. Gesslin. Daniel's is Liverpool CLTFC. Awesome. And he posts some amazing content. He was at the FC game the other night, too, as well, was, was talking about that, as well as some other stuff. Uh, so, feel free to follow us, interact with us. Like I said, we'd love to hear from you guys. But as we do every week, we will be talking about European football. So first and foremost, dear to our hearts, clearly, as I mentioned, wearing the Chelsea kit is the Premier League. So a couple topics here we want to talk about coming out of week three. A very, very fun, entertaining week across the board. Um, some, some teams that may kind of have shown themselves a little bit. Um, are they the real deal? Are they, you know, kind of blips from last year? And then, of course, uh, a couple games that were just for the record book and for for classic uh, ESPN Classic right away. Uh, the first one out of the gate, though, Daniel, I have for you is a team that we talked about last week pretty highly, uh, pretty positively, and they did kind of have a little bit of a stinker this week. Are Brighton for real, or was that just a little blip that we saw against a really good uh, West Ham team? Well, first off, we start 
asking ourselves, is Brighton a real deal last year now or, or last week? Now are we asking, are they fraudulent? No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that big of knee-jerk reactions. But uh, they did have a stinker. Um, West Ham, man. I mean, I think it was a more of a product of West Ham's good play than Brighton's bad performance. I mean, James Ward-Prowse off the mark again. We mentioned he was in my XI of the week last week. Jared Bowen, after a really bad season last year, looks looks like a new man under Moyes. Um, and uh, Edson Alvarez is uh, slotting perfectly replacing that gigantic rice void that he left when he went to Arsenal. So, I mean, do you have any thoughts about this match? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned two of the signings that they brought in from, from that, you know, that tremendous record fee that they got for, for Declan rice. That's kind of what you asked for, right? Of course you, you lean on the manager. You hope that he's going to be able to kind of offset what you kind of lost with rice. Great player over at Arsenal, but you bring in, you know, James Ward-Prowse from Southampton. How he managed to stay there for that long, no, I don't even know. No one and then you know. bring in Edison Alvarez, another great fit, right, to kind of come in. They both look great. You know, this is two weeks in a row now that West Ham have looked really, really good under David Moyes. Of course, Chelsea being the week before. Um, but, you know, two strong teams, two, two teams that a lot of folks had in the top half, and they both kind of looked overwhelmed by West Ham and what they're trying to do. You mentioned Jared Bowen. What an absolute touch that was before his finish uh, for the mm -hmm. third third goal, I think it was. Um, guy's a player. You know, there was talk of him going to Liverpool at one point earlier last year. Uh, would have been a great fit, for, in my opinion, for, for you guys. Uh, but, you know, he's a great player. I think, you know, there are options over there at West Ham. Now, my, my only concern for West Ham is, uh, is the depth. Will they be able to keep it going? We talked about that with Brighton for European football last year and this year, sorry. Uh, West Ham have European football as well. After winning the Europa Conference League, they, they move into Europa League. So will they be able to maintain that momentum going forward? David Moyes' teams are always so structured, so, so solid at the back, play counterattacking football. Um, will Mikel Antonio be able to stay stay healthy? That's a big piece up front too. So right now, I mean, they were you know top of the table going into Sunday until City won and, and jumped them again. But uh, Hammers looking really strong early out of the gate. Um, you know, it's still early, but uh, so far a pretty strong team to look out for. And uh, we were thinking about touching on this um, later, but since you brought it up, will they be able to have depth to compete in the Europa League today? Well. Their squad just got a little stronger with the signing of Mo Kudus from Ajax. Winger, number 10, can kind of play everywhere, even maybe a false nine. We've seen it before with Ajax. Um, 43, around 40, 45 million for him. I think that's a, a great signing. I mean, West Ham at the start of the window looked like they weren't going to sign anybody, and now they've had three to four solid signings. So I was not very bullish on West Ham to start out with. But after these signings, I, I think they're definitely, if not a top eight, top 10. Agreed. And, and obviously, uh, Pakita potentially staying, although the, the some ramifications that could come out of that investigation, who knows, but yep. sounds like Man City have cooled a little bit on that price tag of, what was it, $90 million, 90 million euros at one point. So quite a big substantial number. But if he stays as well, um, you know, there's a there's a roster putting together there for David Moyes. I think they will be a team to look out for. I don't think they cracked the top six. 
um, this season, but I think they, they do give, you know, a good run for the top teams. And it's always going to be tough to go to, to London Stadium and play with the bubbles and, and especially, you know, if, if they're rocking and rolling. So um, the other surprising team from the week was uh, Aston Villa for me. Daniel, not sure. I, I know you watched that game. I wasn't able to catch that one. Um, but thoughts on that as well and, and what, the, what they're doing over there. Not surprised at all. I mean, I, we talked about it a little bit last uh last week but uh, i actually had um villa uh in my top four and you as well as a couple other people looked at me funny and then i definitely got a little stick after they got absolutely humbled by newcastle week one but i mean they've completely bounced back since then um the boys the boys look good diaby has just fit like a glove like i thought he would uh considering how good of a player he is i don't even think he'll be at Villa for long at this rate. Um, I mean, Matty Cash with with two goals. Him and uh, him and Diaby on the right side are looking like a old friend pong. And Diaby, I was getting a little PTSD flashbacks from last <laughs> year uh, when it comes to that. I mean, their midfield solid. John McGinn looks good. Douglas Louise, Bubakar Kamara. I mean, they got they got some guys, and they're still building to the squad. I mean, I sent you a stat. Um, I don't know if I can find it, but I think since Emery's come in, no other manager has gotten more points other than Pep Guardiola than Unai Emery since coming to the Premier League. I can uh, get that fact checked in a little bit, but uh, I mean, I'm I'm feeling good about Villa. Yeah, I was surprised with your top four pick at one point, as you mentioned. Um, but obviously, they've they've come out of the gates. You mentioned that game against Newcastle. I think uh, that game was closer than the five-one scoreline ended up being. Tyrone Mings going out really changed that game. And then I think in the second half, Newcastle showed kind of what they what they have available to them. I know we'll get on we'll get to them here in a second. But um, I think you know to your point, Villa Villa really do stand out. Of course, Burnley. Uh, being a, a newly promoted team, Vincent Company has a lot of work to do, but you can see kind of what he wants to play and how he wants his teams to play. Uh, really impressed by by Unai Emery, what he does um, across the board. You know, he did it everywhere he's been and uh, Arsenal and didn't really give him that opportunity at that time. And then um, went and really showed in, in the La Liga what he could do with Villarreal and now back in the Premier League. I think I think their team as well as West Ham to watch out for. I think they're going to give anyone a challenge week in week out again i think top four is a little strong for them like i said for west ham being top six but um you know those they'll, they'll be there and you're not going to want to go and play them that's for sure and you're not going to want to have to play them week in week out absolutely couldn't agree more and uh so i had the stat right here most points won in 2023 to date pep guardiola with 62 points second place unai emery with 49 10 hogs tied as well with 49 then mikel arteta and Arsenal with 48, and Jurgen Klopp with 46. I mean, that's some good company to have right there. That is pretty crazy to hear that number of how for how far ahead City are from everybody else, but that is that really surprising? Not too much. Uh, you mentioned Mikel Arteta, great segue into Arsenal. Um, having what kind of what, what do you make of their performance? Um, you know, it, it's another kind of ho hum type of you know, again, two weeks in a row, dropping points this time to Fulham, which is not what you want, especially with City going perfect. Um, but any thoughts on, on the Gunners uh, after week three? I mean, I know we keep referencing last week, but we talked about there was two teams that got it done when it mattered most last week. It was City and Arsenal. One team did that this week. One team didn't do this, that this week. Arsenal, um, they went down, and they ended up coming back. They showed great character. 
They even got um, their center back for Fulham's uh, sent off. I yep, can't remember. Yeah, thank Bassi you. Got Alan Bassi got sent off, and you you really thought it would be uh, smooth sailing from there, but uh, their best Fulham's best player, Jao Polina, comes up big again. I mean, he's going to have to carry the squad um, to stay in the Premier League this year, I think. But uh, comes up big with an 87th minute goal, and Arsenal just had no answer. I mean, obviously. There's a lot of positives and negatives to take out of this. It feels like drop points, um, especially when you're chasing a, a team like City. Um, obviously, there's concerns about Havertz and where he fits in with this team, especially when Havertz subs out for Fabio Vieira and Vieira has that kind of performance. I mean, he looks so good, um, especially with that uh, um, Partey, you know, Vieira, Odegaard midfield. Um, but the one thing I wanted to ask you, is it time to bring back Sinchenko and stop overthinking this? You know, I think I think that's the plan long term. Of course, he had a, an injury um, at the end of last season, potentially working him in. It's going to be a long season for Arsenal with with Champions League football back on the calendar. Of course, domestic cups and then the, the run in the league. Um, I definitely think he's he's the the move at left back, and you can even bring him in a little bit more central in that defensive midfielder role. He does have that that ability. Pep has played him there before. Um, <laughs> You want to really look at it? Pep played him up top at one point too. So um, he's very versatile as a player. Um, you know, I think I think like I said, once he gets back into shape, um, he'll be. You'll see him in the rotation regularly. You wouldn't lose a guy like Kieran Tierney um, if you didn't expect to have you know Zinchenko be your starter, your number one. Of course, mm-hmm. um, Timber goes down as well, which limits the the options there. So yeah, I mean that's to me that's the the natural fit. I don't think Arteta is really overthinking it other than when is he able to get back in the lineup? Um, you mentioned Havertz. What a conundrum and, and just a interesting figure. Of course, very familiar with his role in Chelsea, uh, you know, scoring the game winning champions league goal. But other than that, you know, we were kind of satisfied that he was moving on. Um, you know, you mentioned coming off in the 55, 55th minute for, um, you know, for Vieira, came off early in the last game as well. Um, you know, I think I think Arteta was looking for opportunities to not play him, and I think Havertz is giving him those opportunities. Um, also, the subs coming in and just really performing and delivering is making that conversation easier. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens if he starts the next game. You're looking at, what was it, $60 million player? Um, that really just hasn't delivered. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with that. But I think, yeah, to your broader point and more where you brought it, brought it up was I think, um, I think Sinchenko's in the lineup going forward. Uh, not, a, not a doubt. Absolutely. Um, I mean, let's not overreact about Hoverts. I think that obviously new signings take time and he's still trying to figure it out long-term. I think he will figure it out. But for right now, I think Arteta should protect him a little bit and let the players who are playing the best as in Fabio Vieira, who's been fighting for a spot for a year now, um, kind of fit in and, and see, you, you know, maybe in training, Havertz is looking good and maybe he's ready. But uh, for now, let's, let's go with Vieira. Obviously, Parde playing right back might not be the answer either, um, but he's kind of emulating that pep system with the inverted, inverted uh, fullbacks. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it feels like two points lost for Arsenal. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Pep and, and City and, and obviously, you know, just the run that they're on and, and those two points going to be massive at the end of the season. We saw kind of what that run was that City could put on at the end of last year and really close that gap and Arsenal just couldn't keep up. You expect City to kind of have similar runs within them. Um, of course, three games, three wins, uh, top the table. You know, you don't want to give them that kind of lead um, early on, and, and especially without even without their best player, arguably their best player right now in the lineup for another foreseeable future. So, uh, you know, they, they get the job done. Uh, Earl Holland has an off day, hits a post on a penalty. Um, but, of course, that depth, you know, bringing in Phil Foden changes the entire game, gets that assist to, to Rodri on the game-winning goal, call it an assist. Uh, it's a generous assist, but it worked out as an assist. Um, but, yeah, it's just... City is just, they, they keep turning over. Another team, another win, even without their manager. I, I mentioned that they were going to potentially drop some points here. It looked that way. You're close. Um, for, it was close. I was kind of ready to text you, but I knew it would happen if I did. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, you know, they pull out that victory with a, a great Rodri uh, winner late. Um, but they're just, they're just rolling, aren't they? And I just, I mean, you mentioned two players that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, Holland, he's just a robot, so you expect him to put away every single opportunity that is presented in front of him, especially one that's a PK. Obviously, he missed that. He hits the post. No big deal. He, he I mean, he just, you see after he scored that first goal, he doesn't even celebrate. He just kind of puffs out his cheeks and just frustration that he could have already known he had a hat trick if, if he finished his chances, which is the type of mentality that will get you to the top. So seeing that mentality, if you look into it, it's like, man, this guy just scored a goal and he is angry about the ones he just like missed. So that's, that's crazy to think about that mentality at such a young age. Um, but Foden, I mean, he, he got subbed on pretty late and I was pretty surprised by this cause he's an absolute game changer. He played so good last week, and I was really surprised he missed out to Julian Alvarez tonight um, or last or Saturday. But I mean, he came on. I don't understand the late substitution, but I think that I mean, especially with KDB being gone, you need to put your faith in Phil Foden and just play the kid. Yeah, it's quite a. It's quite a. Uh, I mentioned the word conundrum earlier. I think it's the same word you can use here. Of course, you mentioned an eighty-six minute sub. Um, First of all, it's a good problem to have if you're most teams, but Phil Foden should be starting in a lot of, if not all, the rest of the Premier League. Um, how is that going to go? You know, there have been rumors, take them for what you want, of Chelsea looking in and, and potentially interested in him. Um, there are probably numerous other teams that are interested and have probably reached out. Will City hold on to him? That's a great question. Of course, you know, Pep will, Pep will always say, uh, we have a... a we need the depth. We have a lot of games. He's going to get time. Um, but the real question is, is he going to get time? Where, is, where does he play on this team? Especially with, you know, with, with Riyad Mahrez leaving, you would naturally expect him to fill that, that right wing role. Um, then KDB goes out. Okay, that's a good fit for him too in the middle if he needs to be that playmaker. And still doesn't start over Bernardo Silva um, on the right-hand side. And, and, of course, Bernardo Silva can drop inside and play that central mid, too, if he wants. Um, and then, you know, it's just kind of where does he fit? And, and is, is Phil Foden wasting some of that talent um, by sitting on the bench? Again, it's hard to say when he plays and, and delivers and executes and, you know, arguably key part of that trouble last season. So you're going to get opportunities. You're going to get trophies. You're going to play in the biggest tournaments in the world playing for City. But... Does he want to start? Um, and really, what what does that look like for him, I guess, is the bigger question to me. 
No, absolutely. And it's only week two. So we'll, we'll, I guess we'll have a better answer maybe yeah. midway through the season if Pep is going to entrust him. And we've seen him do it before. Um, he was really the first academy graduate to get a chance under Pep for obviously good reason. Um, so we'll see the players in City's Academy. We've seen a lot get sold off this summer. Um, but uh, Cole Palmer and him seem like the two that Pep like. And so are these guys going to get enough opportunities to want to sign long-term deals? We will see. Um, so I've been looking forward to this conversation. But next on the docket, we have Liverpool versus Newcastle. I mean, obviously, I watched... Why, were you play. interested in that game? I have no idea. Was that just, was that a fun game for you? or how Just did that a little go? bit. I just mean, a little bit, okay. I was watching with uh, my good buddy James, who's also a Liverpool fan, and uh, man, we were talking about it after. That was the biggest roller coaster, roller coaster of emotions I have been on in a long time. I mean, you start the game out, you concede because of a Trent error, just the ball just slides under his boot, and uh, they score, and and then the worst possible scenario happens: Big Verge gets sent off with 30 and what the 30th minute or something like that. I mean, this is just a disaster and we looked toothless. We had no answer and then bring on Darwin Nunez, Jota, Harvey Elliott. All those guys looked fantastic. I mean, we trusted Joe Gomez to get put on with Kanate and Virgil being hurt or we'll send off and hurt. Um, we trusted a young Kwanzaa to come in and defend for the last couple minutes. I mean, it was an all-around team result, but the star of the show, Darwin Nunez. Man, he has been waiting for this opportunity. He's been chomping at the bit. He hasn't gotten many minutes because Jota, Diaz, Sa- uh, Salah, Gakpo, all have been getting taking his minutes. But uh, Darwin said, you know what, Klopp, I'll take that, and I will give you a brace. Yeah, I mean, this game had everything you could ask for, right? I mean, as a neutral, (laughs) words are not really able to describe. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, you know, you had the the error from Trent. Of course, even prior to that, you had, you know, a a case to maybe have him sent off as well with that second yellow that wasn't all yellow. Soft, yeah. Well, the first one, first one definitely soft. We can certainly get into that, but um, more so just was that second one a yellow? Some people saying yes, some people saying no. You know, a lot of just controversy in this game, a lot of great performance. Um, Newcastle looked great in the first half, then kind of fell apart. Um, in the second half, when they had the lead and the man up, they just they kind of sat back and weren't the same team and, and just kind of let you guys dictate the game going forward, kept you guys in it. Um, you mentioned Darwin Nunez. I mean, what a game, what a moment for this kid. You mentioned that he's had some difficult times getting on the pitch and, of course, the big signing last season, all the hype around him. You know, these are the type of moments that go and, and make make you a legend for your club. Um, you know, coming in, scoring those two goals, taking three points that looked well out of the bag um, you know, and, and just snatch and grab. And, and like I said, potentially a club legend now that you go, he can build off of, you know, I think it's interesting. I've heard this a lot the last couple of days about you guys in Liverpool and, and just kind of how um, you guys build and, and, and look at yourselves as a club and rightfully so, you know, it's all about special moments, right? And how do you create those moments? I mentioned that in the intro, you know, I think this is one of those games that sets you guys off on a really good um, look at for the season. 
You know, mm-hmm. again, Liverpool is one of those clubs uniquely more than than most that uh, if it's not a big or important moment, um, it's kind of like, a, oh, OK, we've been here before. We just kind of go through the motions. But this one really, really took you guys to that next level. And, and manager like Pep, who is so uh, sorry, like Klopp, who's so emotional, who's so fiery, um, you know, he can really rally the guys around this and, and, and propel you guys forward. I'm not saying that you're going to win the league now because of this match, but I think you know, this is a really good stepping stone for you guys to build off of and Darwin Nunez up top. And we'll get into the potential uh, loss of a, of a key player that could come of uh, with with a little less than a couple of days left in the window. But, you know, he could really fill in and, and, and look at some um, some great minutes and, and be a special player for you guys. And this could be that moment that he needed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd even mention Allison before, and I feel like I... Oh, what a save. What an absolute I mean, save. Good Lord. I mean, he, he, he saved us there, and that's why yep. he's, in my opinion, the best keeper in the world. But I, I, I really, you mentioned it a little bit, but I, they, Newcastle did sit back, and there was one moment that Eddie Howe did, and this is kind of the difference, in my opinion, between the, the top four who, who challenge every year and teams that are beginning to challenge. Um, so in the 72th minute, 72nd minute, excuse me, he took off did a triple substitution. He took off Isak, Anthony Gordon, who was just shredding Trent to bits all all week or all game long, and uh, Sandro Tonali. And the game kind of changed when he took those three subs off. Obviously, you're you're going for the three points there. You're going to sit back, but I, I think in the end of the day, that that kind of cost them. So it's a, it's these moments where we we separate the elite coaches from the rising coaches but still aren't just there yet and what Jurgen Klopp has done is made mentality monsters that's his thing mentality monsters no matter what we go again and he said that after we lost the Europa League when he first came here and we've been doing it ever since we've seen amazing comebacks more than I can count on my hands but uh that's the big thing between champions and challengers yeah, and you don't want to mess with with a good, strong, angry Liverpool, that's for sure. Um, you mentioned a little bit about Newcastle. I think it's it's only fair to talk about them briefly. Um, two losses in a row now. Uh, you mentioned City. Uh, you mentioned the Liverpool play. Same, similar type of play against City and their loss there. Um, really didn't have that fire. I think Newcastle is one of those teams that if they're going full speed ahead and, and you know, uh, balls of the walls, and, and of course, if they're at home and St. James's Park is rocking, that that team is really about that that momentum and that that forward push. I think you know they sat back a little bit, they let you guys kind of collect the ball. Um, really didn't have that pace, especially they, we saw that the week before against Man City, where they really were just being manhandled off the ball, and, and City had all that possession. Really, an interesting time right now. Anyhow, has a lot of work ahead of him. You know, we mentioned Brighton at the top, but they—that's a really tough game this past this coming weekend for Newcastle. With you know mm-hmm. going to the Amex Stadium, Brighton had a little slip, but they can still put up goals. And if Newcastle aren't careful, they could be three losses in a row and, and look really, really bad here early. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. I mean, also we gotta we gotta look at who who they're playing and. It's three really, really solid teams. So I, I mean, even if they lost that, Brian, I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely overreact. But it's definitely uh, maybe some questions for Eddie Howe. Is is this the guy that's going to take us to be a Premier League challenger every week? So now that we pivot, I'll let you get on your soapbox. Chelsea finally get on the board. Good win, solid win against Luton. 
Any any thoughts there, or are we gonna not overreact here? You know, you know, we're not gonna overreact here. Luton Town, obviously, they're they they look to be one of the teams that are probably gonna go down um, pretty easily. We we touched on Sheffield United earlier with with that game uh, that they played against uh, against City. They're probably going to go down as well. Um, so, I, you know, I don't take too much stock in this game. They looked good. Of course, clean sheet's always nice. Um, you saw Moises Casado have a little bit of a stronger performance. I did pick him for my 11, which we'll get into later. But um, when you don't talk about Moises Casado is when he's having a good game. And you didn't really talk about him too much. He was just kind of all over the pitch, you know, getting getting the ball back to the to the midfielders, more forward in, in a forward advancing position. Uh, of course, Raheem Sterling looked really good. I think that's the first time I've seen Raheem Sterling in two or three seasons now. So welcome to have him back. Um, but yeah, all in all, you know, good, another good step. Um, but there's a lot to go for this team. You know, Poach talked about today. He's comfortable with the squad, uh, seeing where they go in the future, even if we do or don't add players in the window. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to overreact to a 3-0 a win at Luton or first Luton at home. Uh, if we... Had conceded, probably would have been more more to talk about. If we lost, God forbid, that would have been, you know, the end of the world. But um, yeah, uh, you know, let's let's not dwell on that too much. It wasn't as much of a spectacle as you guys put on for sure. Uh, one game that was interesting though and did have almost as much action as your guys's game was Manchester United. Again, VAR comes into play for these guys. It's two of three. Almost three games, if you want to talk about the Spurs game and how much that changed that call. Um, so again, VAR helping out Manchester United, Manchester, if you want to call United. it that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Marcus Ratchford drawing a penalty in the late in the game to get them that that winner. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, of course, uh, creating, if you want to call it, creating a red card situation for similar similar role for what Virgil Van Dyke did in your game, uh, last man, and, and kind of taking someone down. So, um, any thoughts on United? I Again, I'm I'm concerned for this team. They didn't look good again. Um, Forest is not that strong a squad, and they really needed they needed all the help they got to to win this game. Honestly, no, absolutely. I mean, I I mentioned it. I was like, I I, I kind of like Forest here, and because I, I respect Steve Cooper and what he's building there. Um, and I thought I was a genius when they went up two zero. Um, early, 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 very early, and uh, obviously Awani. With just absolutely faked out Anana, put him on his behind, and then just slotted in the back of the net. And then Willy Bully uh, with a quick corner kick. So I'm like, wow, uh, is this Unai just gonna gonna crumble in front of us? Because we've seen it before. Um, don't need to remind United fans about that one. But they responded, and that's what really matters most. I mean, I think that that Rashford pin was a penalty. Um, even though they do get a lot of calls, I think that is a penalty. I think the sending off was fair as well. Um, so not really that many qualms about that. It just United had to kind of prove that they they could do this, and, and they did. And obviously they're still missing a nine, which is a giant gaping hole. Um, I think that Erickson, Casemiro, Bruno in the midfield looked a lot better than when Mount did. Um, I just want to ask your opinion real quick. Since United have struggled with wingers, obviously Rashford is penciled in every single week at the left wing. But when it comes to the right wing, what do you what do you think about Mount playing there instead of an Anthony or um, a Garnacho? Well, I think I think when he comes back, he is hurt right now, um, so he'll be out till at least after the international break. I think that. Long it's term. a tricky one. 
long term, yeah, it's, it is still a tricky situation, right? You have Jane Sancho, who you've paid a boatload of money for, who was supposed to come in and play and kind of consume that role for you. Um, hasn't really done the trick. Anthony, same thing. Very high profile, very flashy player. Doesn't really give you much. Um, can You get the occasional situation, occasional play, but really not what you expected for, for what you paid. I know Eric Ten Hag is very high on him, having worked with him at, at Ajax in the past. There's two ways that I would look at Mason Mount. I think you could play him on the right. Um, I also think right now, given the way, given that you don't have a number nine, I think you could play him up top almost as a false nine. I think Rashford needs to play out on the left. I think that's his best position. I think when he plays out there, United are an entirely different team. So it'll be interesting to see how Eric Ten Hag kind of moves things around because they aren't going to, for the most part, you know, until um, Ram, Rams, Rasmus uh, comes back from his injury and, got, you know, who knows what he's going to be. He's still a young prospect too. You know, you could kind of interchange him and, and Mount in that nine, nine false nine role. Again, I, I still think you need Rashford on the left. Um, and then, you know, you got to kind of give Sancho and, and Anthony a chance on the right, just because of the, the amount of money that you spent on both those guys. Um, I don't think you can give up on that project quite yet. If you do want to give up on it, there's still two or three days left in the window um you got you got to move one of them um if not so yeah i think it's a little tricky spot i don't think he can play in the midfield in that center midfield role because him and bruno fernandez play too similar of a role mm-hmm. too far too far forward and then you leave yeah. casemiro on an island especially yeah. at his age so i think it's a really di- it's a dicey situation for for eric ten Hag and um how he's going to manipulate that and, and work that obviously that's why he was brought in and they they feel he can do that so um we'll see uh, I want to touch on a couple more Premier League games and Premier League teams before we jump into Germany and the rest of the, the European map. Um, you know, we can go real quick on these. Are, are, are Burnley and, and Bournemouth in trouble? Uh, I want to save the other one for, for the last bit here to give a little bit more time on it. But any quick thoughts, Burnley, Bournemouth, real trouble? Yeah, I mean, I, I shared offline a stat with you that um, all three newly promoted sides have gotten a whopping goose egg combined. Um, so obviously that's concerning. Um, and I mean, this this could be a deeper issue that we could talk about for, for hours when it comes to parachute payments and, you know, leveraging your entire club to stay in the, the PL and clubs are just not willing to do that these days. Um, so it's a miracle if if they do stay up um so obviously that's disappointing but i think a lot of people had high hopes for the high flying burnley of last year i mean broke the championship record as you mentioned last week on the pod and vincent company a young and upcoming manager obviously was a fantastic player uh coached by pep so i mean i i, I think that there's other teams that are are worse off than they are um, I think that they'll they'll find a rhythm. I mean, they've invested not too much, but uh, they could definitely go with some more investment, um, no doubt. Um, now, moving on to Bournemouth, I mentioned that I was excited to see their coach. Um, I also didn't really think through that their coach is free-flowing, pressing type of football, and if you're going to be a bottom-tier team that maybe you need to have the low box, low block and you need to just counter the crap out of teams and um they haven't done that 
they've shown some frustration. They've struggled so far. I mean, I think they posted the worst XG out of almost anyone in the entire. My favorite stat, by the way, I absolutely despise that statistic, but go on. Sorry. I apologize. But I will. I mean, it does. There is proof in the pudding at some point when it comes to those stats. And um, obviously they do have a, some good pieces. I mean, Bournemouth have, has invested a lot of money um, since they got those American investors uh, last year. Am I worried for them? I mean, they, they're going to be, I think they're going to be close. But I do think with Sheffield and Luton being bad and then maybe like an Everton or a Wolves struggling, I think that they might be okay. Yeah, great segue. That was where I was going next. Is is obviously a, a really early, massive, massive fixture this weekend um, for two teams that are really struggling right now. Uh, Want to take a step back quickly too, and just um, agree with you on what you mentioned for both Burnley and, and Bournemouth. Burnley, of course, takes a few weeks to get into the into the swing of things, uh, especially being promoted. I think they'll be okay. I don't think they're going to be you know clear from the bottom, but I think they'll be okay in the end. You mentioned the, the money being spent on Bournemouth. Of course, Tyler Adams hasn't gotten back into the rotation yet, too. So, you know, they'll be they'll be a little bit stronger once that happens. But, yeah, really, you know, you mentioned Everton and, and Wolves. Um, I think I said last week that those two are going to be fighting for my third relegation spot. They play each other this weekend. And, boy, the Sean Dyche need a win. First of all, he needs a goal. They haven't <laughs> scored yet. So, you know, Everton are in real, real trouble of course, you mentioned you know the the FIFA fair play issues that they may have and the points deduction there potentially going forward. Um, you know that that you know this is not if that were to come down um, and they're sitting where they are right now. I don't even know if they if they sniff you know one of the other two teams in the bottom. Um, this this is and Everton, as you know, as as a fellow Merseysider, is. A, you know, one of the most prestigious and and beloved clubs by their fans and the city. Um, this is a really a big story that's only going to develop as and continue to grow. You know, at, at some point. And how much longer does Sean Dyche have? I mean, God, they got to score a goal, right? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. So they they they're trying to solve that issue. Um, I don't know if you saw it today, but they did sign Beto from Udinese. Um, he had a decent goal tally. And, I mean, he, he's going to be okay. He's a target man. He's a big guy. So we'll, we'll see if he can do better than uh, Neil Balpe or uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, I mean, I, I've seen, obviously, because I'm a Liverpool through and through, I, I there's a lot of the sources can sometimes uh, report on um, Everton as well. And I, I've seen a few things. There's already been banners about sack the board. Um, they're not really coming for Sean Dyche's neck yet, but, uh, I mean, how many seasons is it going to take for you just to run your club horribly into the ground? They got a new stadium that they're building right now. And, uh, if they go down it, I mean, I, I hate Everton. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I also so you don't want to see them go down. You don't want to see them down. No, right? I, I want. I don't mind seeing them go down, but I don't want to see the team I love beating the most get completely ruined and be like a Leeds from five to ten years ago, where they go down three three divisions because of just bankruptcy. Obviously, um, I think Goodison has a great atmosphere, and that's what's kept them up uh, when it mattered most. But obviously, does Sean Dyche still have the locker room? Um, 
they're they're throwing money at Beto. Hopefully, he can come in and score some goals that you mentioned. Um, they do have some good pieces. I mean, come on, Onana, he's he's no slouch. Dwight McNeil's like a a lower tier, a poor man Saka, I guess you could say. Like he's not a bad winger, especially in Sean Dyche's system when you just put balls into the box. So I mean, I think they have enough to stay up. Will they? That is the question of the day. So I, I'm 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 not feeling great about it. It depends if they stick with Deitch or not, honestly. Yeah, it's a really interesting situation, one that we'll follow. I know you'll follow again, like I said, as a uh, Derby follower there, and and of course, just the story that is Everton, uh, one of the few teams I think that, if I read correctly, have not been relegated um, to date. So uh, an interesting an interesting really? story to, to hear. Yeah, uh, but moving along. Um, into the rest of Europe, as I mentioned, we, we of course, love covering the Prem, and um, we obviously spend quite a bit of time on that, but there are other games that we watch. Um, I know we were talking pretty heavily about the Bundesliga. I know I watched uh, a lot of La Liga this week, and uh, Serie A, which is hard to find. Um, not as hard as Liga, but uh, it's still a difficult league to find, but... Um, of course, you know, I would say if we're going to rank these these leagues, uh, Premier League first, uh, Bundesliga second, um, La Liga third, you know, there's debate between those two, I would say, if, as far as um, just importance or, or kind of strength within the, the ranking. But uh, jumping into Germany, of course, um, man, Harry Kane, just doing what Harry Kane does. Yeah, I mean, he, he's doing what he was paid to do. Um, that is pumping goals and maybe win a trophy. Um, so he, he's been doing one for, for years and years and years, and he hasn't obviously been able to win a trophy. But uh, I think this is the year. Um, I mean, we talked about I was worried about uh, Tuchel, and I was worried about Bayern. But when you got a confident Kane and it, you got a whole front line that's kind of firing and on cylinders. I mean, Sané, Coleman, Nabri all look good today. Um, I think Alfonso Davies was back to his best. So I'm 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 happy for 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 Alfonso Davies especially. Um, so I mean, obviously, Augsburg's okay. So let's not overreact here. But I think that having your goal scorer, obviously replacing Lewandowski, was the main issue last year, um, replacing him with Kane, um, who was a little younger and uh, arguably better, honestly, uh, is a big deal. Um, so, I mean, uh, the board is just trying to save themselves at this point because they've gotten a lot of stick. I mean, the firing of Nagelsmann last year left a bad taste in a lot of Bayern, uh, Bayern fans' mouth. Um, so, can Tuchel keep the squad happy? Can... Bayern just run away like they usually do? That's the question. Um, but I do think they did play really well this week. Yeah, and you mentioned Harry Kane. Just, you know, what can you say? I mean, two goals again. Um, first first official home match in front of those fans at the Allianz. And boy, did he not disappoint. And that place was, ex ex wow, electric. Um, it's hard for me to even get that out after thinking about his goals. Uh, that place was electric. And, of course, you mentioned, you know, potentially running away with things. Uh, it doesn't hurt when your competitor and nearest rival from last season uh, drops points against arguably one of the, the worst teams in the league, somehow managed to stay up last season. But um, 
That is Dortmund tying Bochum uh, 1-1 and a late equalizer uh, from Danielle Malin, of course, to keep it even a draw. Bochum had the lead early, held on to it until the end. Um, what is going on uh, in Borussia right now? And, and can they turn this around? Or to your point, is Bayern just going to run away with this? And of course, there are other teams in the Bundesliga, but um, for the last couple of seasons, those two have been neck and neck. And it seemed like the gap was closed last season, but... Um, I don't know for I don't know if that gap is is any tighter now. No, it's it's definitely not. Um, definitely be, with Dortmund, at least. I mean, maybe other teams that we can touch on um, later. Uh, but when it comes to Dortmund, um, no. I mean, when you have a a Bellingham who kind of just wills you to to challenge Bayern, and Bayern have one of the historically worst seasons they've had in a decade. Um, obviously. That plays a factor here. Um, let's not let's not overlook that. Um, but I will say, I uh, I reached out to my Bundesliga confidant, a Dortmund fan, especially, and uh, I, I was asking him kind of what's what's going on with Dortmund, and he did have this to say. Um, obviously, I don't know if you've had the FootMob app, but uh, their bench below it shows who's injured, and it is an absolute hospital. Um, so apparently, Nemecha. Durenville, Binogins, Reyna, Adeyemi, Schlotterbeck, Sule, Ryerson have all been out at some point in time, either during preseason or during the first two weeks of Bundesliga. Obviously, when you have that many people injured, it's going to take a little bit to get going. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily time to overreact about Dortmund. But uh, apparently they, they fired their their medical staff last year. And it looks like uh, those, those guys are on the chopping block for this year as well. Cause I mean, when you have that many injuries, it's just like, what's, what's going on here. It is pretty remarkable. And I, I was curious, um, you mentioned him. So, but it sounds like he's still on the, on the injury chart. Um, Giovanni Reyna, of course, you know, being us national, um, our interest in, in that, of course, the only time we saw him this summer was in, uh, UEFA Nations League, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, CONCACAF, sorry, CONCACAF Nations League, however, wh- how, whatever it was. There's so many names for that. Um, and, and, of course, he should have been healthy from my perspective. If he's not playing in the Gold Cup, uh, other U.S. men's national team buildups, why is he not ready right now um, is my concern. Of course, he's had his injuries over the years. He's a young player. We don't want to put too much on him and, and put him in a bad spot to make it more of a longer season injury. But, you know, he hasn't played. And if I remember correctly, that, that CONCACAF tournament that I referenced was early or early June. And so, you know, that's a long time for him to not be playing and and, um, and, and shouldn't be hurt at this point. Any any word from your, your, uh, your guy on that? Or is it really just kind of a sit and wait type of situation? Unfortunately, unfortunately not. I mean, We've we've seen this with Reyna. I mean, obviously, I personally, I think this might be a hot take, but I think that Reyna, um, it's easier, to, it's harder to say this now that another U.S. player is going off. But I think that Reyna um, has the highest ceiling out of any player in the U.S. national team camp uh, right now. But uh, obviously, the big thing is if you can't prove that if you're not healthy. And so it says on football, an ankle injury. Um, he is practicing with the team as we speak, so we should see um, his debut for the season soon. Um, obviously, I think that 
in Terzik's mind, um, this is kind of maybe the passing of the guard. If he can stay healthy from Marco Royce to Gio Reyna. Now, both have had injury problems, which both are alike, but both are brilliant when they're on the pitch. So uh, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep you guys updated on that. But uh, obviously I just, I hate that he's just not playing week in, week out. Yeah, it is unfortunate. And hopefully that does come to pass and we do get to see him playing weekly. Um, I think we're all ready for it at this point. I'm sure he's ready for it. I think as we gear up toward 2026, it's important for him to get as many minutes. I know that sounds like a long way away, but you know, we're almost at the end of 2023, which is crazy to think. Um, these games now are really, really important for a player like Gio Reyna just to get some consistency. We saw that similarly with you know Christian Pulisic not playing at Chelsea. Still a great player, but not getting in that rotation, not getting that, that growth that you'd like to see from a young player. So hopefully Gio can get back in the lineup and start playing. Um, you mentioned you know earlier... Uh, there is a potential new, or I guess a previous team that could be fighting Bayern Munich again for the top. Of course, that is RB Leipzig, who um, notoriously are, are pretty strong in the Bundesliga. Have been, you know, that that runner-up, um, if you will, over the last I'd say four of the past six seasons-ish. Uh, they they make a statement against Stuttgart, um, five to one. Boy, were the goals coming in the second half for them and uh, Stuttgart. What happened from the previous week where they put up five? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they played well, uh, obviously, in the first half. They, I can't remember if it, I think they went in winning in the first half. They did, but, yeah. They were up one okay. nothing at the half. That's what so. I thought, yeah. So, I mean, Kuriasi was having a good game. I mean, obviously, Leipzig was uh, knocking at the door. But uh, when you got Openda, Xavi Simons, or Simmons, I, I, I don't know which one it is. Um, you got a Danny Olmo, who's just in rare form right now. Um, and... And Co. Obviously, the goals are going to come, and boy, did they did it! It started with a really cheap goal uh, from Byron Loney, um, the goalkeeper. I am blanking on his name right now. I don't know if you if you know who he is. Um, it's the guy. Oh, Newbell. Ex- excuse me. So Newbell. Um, he had a clearance that just went off the foot right into the goal. So that kind of started the floodgates, and then. I mean, obviously, Stugart's maybe uh, mentality is something to question, but uh, the goals were always going to happen in this game, and uh, they just came in a flurry. Yeah, we mentioned last week, Bundesliga just goals, goals, goals. Uh, to quickly give you a rundown before we jump through the rest of the league there. 5-1 in that game, a 3-2 winner for Hoffenheim, 2-1 for Wolfsburg. Uh, the the one least goals was... Freiburg versus Werder Bremen, one nothing. There's still a goal there. Union Berlin scoring a four spot. Uh, Bochum Dortmund we talked about with a three, two goals there. Bayern Leverkusen, who we're going to get into here in a second, with a three 0 win over uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And then of course we talked about Bayern Munich and their three goals. So you know, goals, goals, goals in the in the Bundesliga again. Um, Daniel, would love to hear your thoughts. I know we've we've talked really highly about Bayern Leverkusen. Of course, a big win this past weekend, like I mentioned. Um, you know, 3 nothing over Gladbach, who notoriously is a pretty challenging team. They go up against Bayern Munich this weekend, who they usually give a hard time to. So um, what were your thoughts on just, you know, what Bayern Leverkusen was able to do? We've talked, like I said, you know, kind of that, that notoriousness of, of Leverkusen to kind of shit the bed, if you will. Um, but so far out of the gate, pretty strong from Xabi Alonso's team. I mean... This was arguably one of my 
favorite games of the weekend to watch as just as a spectator. Um, I mean, it was just back and forth, almost like basketball, just like really end-to-end type football. Um, I mean, gosh, Leverkusen just plays so quickly. It's all one-two touch, free-flowing. I mean, that's like my favorite kind of football, so I just love to watch it. I'm really just in awe watching it. I mean, Shaka has looked great. Bonifaci, the, the new striker, has fit right in. Barrett's got the number 10, and that did not affect his play at all. I mean, he's playing like a number 10, but the weight of the jersey isn't affecting him. I mean, he's he's looked so good. Frempong is just such an athlete, so fast. I mean, I think he puts fear into uh, any left back that plays him. Um, so, I mean, I they showed that what they could do. I mean, I think that Leipzig, I don't know where their XG was, but they could have put away at least nine goals in this game. They, they weren't, I would say, um, as clinical as I've seen before. Um, so maybe that's concerning when they play better opponents. But when when we're talking about chance creations and of that nature, they they, they got to be up there in the Bundesliga. Yeah, it's a it's a great time, like you mentioned, to be a Bayern Leverkusen fan. It's also a great time to be a Union Berlin fan. One of the the great stories from last season, being up in the top half, actually on top of the table for quite a lengthy period of time last season. Um, they kind of just came out of the gates where they left off. Eight goals scored in their first two games. Any thoughts on? Can they, you know, they've added a few pieces. Can they continue this run and give Iron a, a real chance, or is it going to be kind of the same old song? You know, great story, um, great start, uh, can't finish. I mean, I don't, I don't think that they're going to be legitimate title contenders, but I mean, they got to be the weirdest team in the entire Bundesliga. I mean, all the goals they score, they got like a thirty-plus-year-old striker, Barons, who's never had this many goals i don't think in two matches i think he's had five he had a hat trick last week two goals this week um i mean i would say that robin goosens uh, who came from inner has been a fantastic addition falling off the bench that's never too shabby from monaco um obviously <laughs> aronson got two quick yellows and and darmstadt quickly uh equalized so maybe it's a completely different story and then they respond with just a flurry of goals and just handle this game comfortably. So, I mean, really, really weird to watch. I will uh, quote a stat that uh, my buddy Jack, shout out him, gave me. He said, uh, after joining the Bundesliga in 1920 season, they have the seventh highest market value in the Bundesliga, which is wild, honestly, if you think about it. Um, I mean, for, for your squad value to go up that high that quickly, um, it shows that you're investing in the right players and you, you kind of have a, a solid outlook on what you want your team to be. So I'm, I am bullish on them long-term, uh, but I do not think they're going to be contenders. Um, they have to work on depth too if they, if they want to play European football week in, week out. Agreed. And still one of the greatest stories. If you haven't watched a Union Berlin game when they're at home, uh, I definitely recommend it. Play at one of the most unique fields. Their scoreboard is still an actual manually adjusted scoreboard in the corner of the, of the stadium. So um, just an, an amazing watch uh, from a fan perspective if you haven't. Uh, one of those stories that just, you know, illuminates why we love European football, right? You would never really see that here in the States. Um, just the the closeness. Uh, we talked about it briefly with Luton 
um, their stadium and what they're going through to get that stadium ready for Premier League football. But just some of these stadiums are just really what these, you know, these European games and fixtures. And, and um, when we get into more of these competitions, those European nights are all about is just that, just that love of the sport and just kind of finding a way to make it fit within your, your city or your town. And some of these are towns for the most part. So um, just a really great story. And hopefully they can continue to your point. I don't think they make it all the way, but great story to, to lead into and, and, and follow along uh, if you're neutral. Uh, another, another one that we want to get into real quick, and it's a big story. Um, it's not a small feat or not a small matter for uh, Vinny Jr. Um, down in, in Madrid. A really interesting situation that unfolded there. Uh, pulls up in the 10th or 12th minute, I think it was. Um, what, what looked like a, a hamstring or it ended up being a thigh injury. Uh, the training staff for whatever reason, um, thought let's just put some tape on it and send it back out there. Looks like he's going to be out for six weeks now, Daniel, at a minimum. How does that change the dynamic for, for Real Madrid as well as La Liga going forward? It, it changes a lot. I mean, we, we talked about it last week. Uh, I, I foolishly said, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of seeing Real Madrid as the favorites as Barca drop points, but now with Vinny Jr. being out for six weeks, I mean that that attack takes a, a big a big hit. I mean, yes, you have Jude, yes, you have Rodrigo, yes, you have Valverde, you have a, a stud midfield, but I mean, is Jose Lu gonna gonna put in the goals and put on the goal contributions that Vinny's doing? They're gonna have to change their formation to a four three three. Who's gonna play on that left wing? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I, w- I would imagine maybe Valverde kind of slots in at a winger role and Rodrigo plays on the other side and you got Jose Lu in the middle. Um, but then you're asking Jose Lu to put up maybe not Ben's numbers, but to, to knock a few in. And I, I'm definitely concerned. I'm definitely concerned. I think that they they lack depth, especially selling Asensio uh, this summer. Um I mean, I, I'm racking my brain right now, and I'm I'm trying to think of a winger they have. Lucas Vasquez is a right back now, um, so I, I'm I'm struggling to think of any attacker who has any experience really. So I mean, maybe you see a last minute signing come in for Madrid, um, but definitely concerning. And I'm, I mean, obviously Pedri's injured um, for Barca, which hurts. But uh, could Barca kind of make up some ground in the next six weeks? Maybe. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, of course, they did end up winning that game. Uh, Jude Bellingham comes in, puts on his cape, and just takes things over again. Um, one nothing win against South Vigo. So, uh, you know, interesting dynamic, I think, going forward is going to be more of a problem for them versus right now. Um, you did mention kind of that formation shift. We saw that a little bit in the after the injury. Um, Freddie Valverde will probably play a little bit more down that right-hand side. We have seen him play that that way before in the past. I think it was last season a little bit. Um, do agree with you that Rodrigo will switch sides, go to the left. And yeah, I mean, is Yosalu going to be the one to, to finish the goals? You know, that's a, that's a great Great question. Of course, Jude um, becoming just an all-around striker, goal scorer, contributor. Uh, again, Superman cape, um, three goals already. Um, so can he add and, and kind of supplement some of those off, you know, those goals that are missing? Um, it's a really interesting dynamic. It's going to be an interesting time in, in Madrid. Again, this is a, from what we have been told, six-week injury. It could be longer. Um, you never know with a muscle. You never know, especially with a, a player like 
uh, with Vinny and, and his his speed. That's what he's about, and that that twitch, fast twitch movement. Um, this could be longer than six weeks, and we hope it's a fast recovery. You know, we I personally love seeing him on the pitch. I never want to see a player hurt, so I'm uh, just hoping it comes sooner than later. Uh, yeah, you mentioned real quick, yeah, go ahead. Matt. Sorry to sorry to button here. So I just happened. I was like, why am I not thinking of any other attackers? So <laughs> I went and did the liberty of looking it up. They got Husailu, Rodrigo, Vinny, and Rainier, who has gone on many loans. It's not succeeded at all. They have an injured Arda Goulart, um, and they have Brahim Diaz, who's classified as a midfielder, but he could play on the wing. So, I mean, I didn't even notice this before the season, reflecting, but, I mean, that is that is not a lot of depth for a team that's going to play arguably 50 to 60 competitions. That's extremely concerning. They, they spent a lot, obviously, with Jude and, and Co. Um, this summer, but, uh, I mean, what is what are they thinking, not having more, more depth? It is interesting. We also have heard Carlo Ancelotti that the team is done in the window. Um, find that a little bit hard to believe. And there was rumor, of course, of Kylian Mbappe and paying $250 million, uh, for him. And so that has kind of gone by the wayside. It will be interesting. Um, that depth is really concerning. Of course, if anyone can get it, um, it would be Carlo um, to make it work and, and kind of find the pieces and, and make that puzzle come to, together. So it will be interesting to follow. Uh, you mentioned Pedri and, and kind of his absence with Barcelona. Uh, they still ended up finding a way to win an absolute thriller against Villarreal, a uh, 4-3 win. One of, uh, Dan, one of the most talented players I think I have seen in a long, long time. Um, 16-year-old Yamal just absolutely destroyed Villarreal on that right-hand side. Of course, he's only credited with... I would, I would give him an assist on that Louis, Louis goal off the post. Um, but he, man, he flashed. He flashed for me. Oh, I mean, we, I've had my eye on him um, since he made his debut late last season after the title was kind of done and dusted for, for Barca. But, I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little bit, and I think it's, it's something that we should definitely spend a little bit of time talking about. There was for... All right, so you have... You have Messi, you have Iniesta, you have Xavi, you have Sergio Busquets. You yeah. got you got a ton of guys, ton of guys go through La Masia, and that was renowned as the best academy in the world for when I was young. That was that was the best one. That's where all the players came from. Everyone talked about La Masia, La Masia, La Masia, and then when when Barca when Messi left and. In, in Barca struggled for a couple of years to under the Cuban era. I mean, people were saying, is, is La Masia done? And then because of the hard times financially and uh, as a club, you've seen the likes of Gavi. You've seen the likes of Yamal. You've seen Fermin Torres. You've seen a couple guys other that I, I won't list, but I mean, you've seen kind of resurgence in the academy. And I mean, they... Is this the next generation? It does feel that way, doesn't it? I mean, you have Alejandro Balde, who's also 19, yes. who came out of the academy, mm -hmm. too. You know, there's just so much talent there. You mentioned it. Um, you know, there's there's always been talent. I think it's just a question of, can they live up to the hype? Ansu Fati, another one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so 16, um, <laughs> it's hard to think that a 16-year-old um, 
wouldn't be doing what he's doing. But uh, you mentioned some of the names that they've had in the past, and it, you know, it almost doesn't surprise you um, to see this kid coming in and just taking over. I think he, I think he's going to single-handedly put Barcelona on his back um, for for a long time here. He could be the next Messi. You never know what we're watching here. So um, again, he he also opens things up um, for for Louis um, off the wing, gives him something different, and you know it's just going to be an interesting dynamic. He gives him that next level. Of course, it's been a little bit of a struggle. They they drew the first game uh, against Getafe, but um, I think I think Barca, especially with this injury to Vinny Junior, uh, going to come through. European football is, is really where they're going to you know, make their bread and butter this year. They looked really poor last season, both in mm-hmm. Champions League group and then also when they went down to Europa League. So can Xavi figure that out? Can they look better in Europe? Um, that's going to be kind of the next step for, for Barcelona, in my opinion. Um, you also, you know, you had a bunch of other really fantastic games, not to, to move off Barcelona too quickly, but a um, lot of great games in La Liga this week. Uh, Atletico and Betis was another thriller. Um, watched yep. that game and all of a sudden I blinked and it was an insane scoreline. So, um, you know, goals, it's, we talk about goals, goals, goals in Bundesliga. Uh, are we talking about goals, goals, goals in La Liga as well? A 4-2 win there for Athletic. And again, like I said, we're down 2-0 early and then all of a sudden you blink and it's 3-2 and then 4-2. Yep. I mean, insert the Motley Crew reference with girls, girls, girls there. Love that movie, Dirt. Um, so I had to throw that in there. But, um, yeah, I mean, you go down you go down two goals. Um, I mean, Isco with Real Betis, I feel like needs to be mentioned that he didn't really play for an entire year. And he, he's come in with the uh, new mini man bun that he has, and he's put up three man match performances for Betis. Um, so... Wanted to give him a shout. He had a fantastic goal as well. So I think that he was kind of a surprise. I was hoping he'd honestly go to MLS, but uh, um, I think he's been fantastic and kind of the main piece for Betis so far. But when it comes to Athletic Bilbao, I mean, I don't know if you know, but they only sign players from the Basque region. I think that is yep. super interesting. Crazy. Really um, interesting. Agreed. I mean, the deals that they have to get done. The, I mean, they, they, they don't have a lot to work with. And thank God they had the Inaki, uh, not the Inaki, the Williams brothers. One of them is named Inaki. Um, but uh, they they assisted each other. Um, one assisted the other. And uh, they look good. I mean, obviously, they had two penalties uh, scored by Vesca, so that, that, that helps, obviously. But, uh, I mean, any time you come back from a two- nil lead and you go and score four goals unanswered that's that's a pretty good day it is and one of the last teams i want to discuss in la liga before we jump down into Serie A is um i don't think we would do the the league and kind of this landscape as service if we didn't talk about this absolute drubbing yesterday uh by atletico madrid are they are they kind of that second team for you now or um where do they fit in especially with this this injury seven spot from an Atletico Madrid team that usually has a lot of difficulty even scoring a goal, um, let alone seven. Yeah, um, it it definitely makes things interesting. I mean, I feel like the Vinny Jr. injury really throws predictions out the window at this point just because we really don't know how they're going to respond here. Um, But scoring seven-nil on the road against a decent side um, is never a bad thing. 
And uh, they got a bunch of strikers there. I mean, you got Griezmann, who scored the first. You got Depay, who got he did get injured, but uh, and then you got a Morata next man up mentality who bags I think it was two, two and then bench, yep. a Correa um, with the number ten jersey who you really don't see that much of. So and then a couple goal scores here and there with Molina and Urente, and I think there might have been one more, but um, I mean. It was a great performance. I haven't seen Athletic Madrid score seven, I don't think, ever. Um, Maybe all se- if you had all the season, they may not have scored seven some season. That, that so. is fair. That is fair. And they did it with less possession than Rio Vallecano. And I think that is the most Simeone stat I have ever heard. He lo- he did look upset as well. We will we have to say after you know five, I think he was starting to say this is not acceptable, guys. We should only win one nothing, if that. So an interesting Crap. game, crappy. Yeah, an interesting storyline to watch. They always are kind of that third team, and now I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see if they can take that step, give Barcelona and Madrid a run for their money. Uh, we did mention a couple of the young U.S. national team players. I also mentioned this individual earlier, Christian Pulisic, moving over to Italy. Um, man, what can I say? Another game, another goal for, for Captain America. Uh, of course, cue all of the chart. It's all Chelsea's fault, blah, 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 that he didn't play. Uh, any thoughts on kind of his resurgence and rebirth in Milan now? I mean, look, sometimes you, you, you just need a, a fresh start, right? And, um, he's, he's in warmer weather. He's, he's in the cap. Is it the capital of Italy? I don't know, but he's in Milan, and I, I've been. To, I went to Milan last summer, and it was gorgeous. I I can't blame him for being happy. He's playing against the likes of Rafa Liao. He has a club that's stable. That's not signing a player every single day. No offense, Matt, but he he just seems like he's in a he's in a good spot here, and he's got. His old teammates. He's got Giroud. He's got Ruben Loftus Cheek. He's got Tamori. He he's got guys that he knows. He's comfortable with. He he's got a manager that actually trusts him and is confident in him. And if he can stay healthy, man, he's gonna he's gonna have a season. He will, and I, I agree with you. You know, playing off of players like that with Rafael Leao and of course Olivier Giroud, who he played with briefly at Chelsea. It's going to be an interesting time, and I think you nailed it right on the head. It's just a warmer weather, fresh start for him. Um, I don't think there was anything negative about his time at Chelsea. Um, it was more of just kind of who he had to play with in front of him. I think the league wasn't set up for him either. I think Serie A is a better league for him. So it will be interesting to see his progression. Again, I talked about with Gio Reyna, getting that game time and, and kind of building that that growth um, and all those things. So, um, you know, any other teams in Italy that you want to talk on? I know it's still early. They, they are the, le- the, the latest to start. Um, so they're only in week two, I believe it is. Maybe they're in week three and the rest are in week four. Apologies if I got that wrong. But any other storylines early um, in Italy coming out uh, at this point, or is it still too early to tell? Um, I think that uh, Napoli are kind of, they, they might not be playing Spalletti Bowl, but they're, they're, they're strong. And they, they haven't really skipped a beat since last season. Um, so Olsenman looks like the same player. Kvacilia, uh came on and immediately had an assist. So that's that's pretty big for them. Um, Two and they, win, by the way, yep. over Sasuwalo. And they have uh, kept, a, kept a clean sheet after losing Menjay Kim. So that's obviously huge. 
um, Inter uh, yesterday on a Monday uh, comfortably beat Calgary. Um, so they look like the t- it's going to be the two Milan teams and uh, Napoli challenging. Now, I mean, obviously, we mentioned a couple others that continue to struggle that we thought maybe could uh, could challenge for top four, if not the league, um, like Lazio, Atalanta, Roma. All of them drop points this this uh, this weekend, so obviously that's maybe concerning. Now, Roma may just made some good business with the signing of Lukaku on loan, um, but uh, Atalanta surprisingly. Uh, losing as well as Lazio, so lot to lot to look forward to. I think it's still going to be an interesting Serie A, um, but I think the top three that uh, are really going to be in the mix is the two Milan's and Napoli. Agreed, and it, it, to your point, I think the one that stood out to me there is Lazio. Um, haven't gotten off to the greatest start. Two two losses to start, which is never how you want to start your season, especially a team that a lot of people were talking about as an outside top four team. So will they be able to get it back under control? Again, like we said, really early in Serie A, so a lot to kind of unwind and unpack there, but uh, just some initial thoughts. Now, moving into France, uh, one of the most surprising things, I think, from my perspective, is after week three, uh, France has finally gotten a victory for Paris Saint-Germain. It took three weeks in the season for them to get their first win, um, but it was an impressive performance. Kylian Mbappe, again, how much can we talk about this guy? Two goals. Um, how does how were they even thinking about not playing him for the entire season is beyond me. Um, but again, are, you know, are PSG back is the real question, and is Luis Enrique Ball here to stay? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the first two weeks, they didn't look great. Um, it looked like they had all the possession. They, they made all the chances, but they couldn't convert. Um, obviously, sticking the arguably the a top three player in the world into the lineup is going to help things a lot. Obviously, it did. Kylian Mbappe is back to his usual ways of banging in goals. But, I mean, man, they they were playing some really pretty football out there. Um, I, I do want to shout out that new midfield engine room that they've revamped. Um, I thought Ugart has had an excellent start to the season, but, uh, from sporting Lisbon and, uh, I want to shout out the young kid, Zaire Emery. Um, he has started every single game since they, they started. Um, he's looked fantastic next to Bettina and, uh, I actually, I'm going to say it. I'm going to regret it. Don't really care, though. But Luis Enrique, with less star power in this team, Mbappe being the main guy, I I could see them making a little run in the Champions League. I have always thought that they are, when they can get a team mentality together, they will finally finally take that next step. I think, to your point exactly, the superstars and, and that model of just buying players like Neymar and Messi and Mbappe, of course, and the whole Sergio Ramos, the whole host of others just was not the right fit, the right mold. Of course, that goes to ownership, and there's a lot of a lot of things behind the scenes there with that group, and, and Luis Enrique saw that firsthand this offseason. But I, I totally agree with you. I think um, if they can put that together, let him kind of build that team like he did at Barcelona and the Spanish national team, um, I think they have a really good chance of competing. Maybe not this year. Of course, they'll win the league or the league, the win league. Uh, um, but uh, maybe not this year, but maybe next year 
they'll have a really good run again in the Champions League, which is really what PSG is defined as. Um, another team that you mentioned last week is one of your big big teams in, in Liga oh, is Monaco. Uh, a, a 3-3 draw um, this past weekend versus Nolte was his a pretty impressive result. Um, three shots for Nolte, three goals. Um, is this a pretty big you know, setback for Monaco. Uh, Nault is not really a powerhouse, although they played strongly last season, finished, you know, top top half of the table. Um, thoughts on Monaco, and, and does this diminish their chances? When, when I when I took them as a best bet, I, I did say that um, they do score a lot of goals, but they have young, young center backs, so they will concede a lot of goals. Um, I, I don't think I could have timed that statement any better regarding a 3-3 uh, thriller. Um, obviously, I don't know if you've seen the recent news, but Balogun is, I don't know if he's in the Monaco jersey, but I think it's Here We Go from Fabrizio. So um, obviously that's going to help them, but dropping points to Nantes is uh, not obviously ideal. Now, when it comes to um, other teams that we, we, we see, uh, Marseille continued their hot start. Do you have Do you have anything on Marseille, or are they I mean, the same old? Same old Marseille to me. Of course, I mentioned this last week. They they are notoriously one of the stronger teams in Liga. Um, had a little bit of a difficult time last season, but a two 0 win over Brest. Um, you know, good a good start. Two and one. Uh, they're going to be tough out. They're definitely going to be a tough out. I I still think, like I said, it's still PSG's league, um, but. You never know. You know, one one little slip here, uh, slow start, of course, drop points from PSG already. Um, it could be a battle. Um, but let's talk after Christmas and, and see where the you know Liga standings are. Um, usually PSG kind of has a 15-point lead at that point, um, similar to Bayern Munich in, in the Bundesliga. But if it can be a little bit closer, um, you know, hopefully it's a it's a challenge and, and a race in France. But uh, TBD. Um I know we, we touched a lot about uh, the rest of the European League and the games and, and some players. We do want to take a quick break on the other half of this. Uh, on the other side of this, we'll touch on some news. Um, there's quite a bit of news, unfortunately, some, some not great news um, out of Spain that we want to touch on, as well as a few transfers uh, that are on the works with the window closing on the 1st uh, on Friday. And then, uh, as, as Daniel and I alluded to a little bit earlier, our best 11s, our best young players, and our best player of the week so we will be right back after this quick break and welcome back to the full-time roundup daniel that was a great segment about the league and the various leagues in europe now it's time to get into the news uh, there are some, uh, you know, transfers that are upcoming. Uh, rumor mills and, and things are going pretty pretty nutty right now. Again, like I mentioned, window closes here on Friday for for most of Europe. There are some nuances. Saudi league uh, transfer window doesn't close till the 14th, actually. Which, um, if you are not able to see, which you aren't, Daniel has just put his hands in his head. Um, we will get to why here in a second. But um, the window closes on Friday. Daniel, I know you've been kind of keeping your your eye on the pulse here from the transfers. You already alluded to Kudos uh, earlier. Um, who are the other movers and shakers that could uh, be on the move to a different team here before the window closes? So we, we, I mentioned 
also briefly Lukaku um, loaned five million fee with no obligation to buy. Obviously, that's huge for Roma, who haven't been off to the best start. As you know, uh, Mourinho does have experience with Lukaku. Um, Balotelli has also been playing well. So once Dybala gets back healthy, I think that's going to be a, a pretty lethal attacking force, and they should make up some ground in the table. Um, also, I wanted to mention um, Nathan Tella. He went to Leverkusen. Um, so just another signing for Leverkusen. More of a depth signing, especially with, I think they have UCL ball. Um, so he kind of went off in the championship last year uh, with Burnley. Um, he was His parent club was Southampton. Obviously, he's too good to be at a championship side at this point. So he's a young player, I would say, to watch. Um, he did. It is finalized. Uh, but I did want to mention that. Um, and, uh, I'll let you talk about, uh, a certain goalkeeper who came from the revolution that's named not Matt Turner. Yes, that is a great point. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Georgi Petrovich, I think is, is Pet Pekovic. Uh, he is now the Chelsea backup essentially. Um, of course, Kepa moving on to Real Madrid. Um, luckily, we had Roberto Robert Sanchez come in from Brighton, but then um, loaned out Gabriel Salina um, to a team in, in uh, Belgium. So we were, as Chelsea, uh, down a keeper. And uh, to your point, brought in an MLS keeper. Um, for those that have not been paying attention to my thoughts on MLS, as well as, more importantly, MLS keepers, MLS keepers are the worst. I will just put it that way. It is notorious that every night there is a goalkeeper blunder in the MLS and you just pray to God that it is not your team that it happens to. And sure enough, what do we do? We go ahead and sign an MLS keeper. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I still think Robert Sanchez is going to be the number one. I uh, don't see uh, that changing anytime soon. He's looked okay, to be honest. Hasn't been great in goal. Some Some shaky moments, but... Uh, yeah, another kid coming over from, he's obviously a European national, um, not not a, a U.S. national. Um, so coming back over to his home part of the world, um, but uh, an interesting signing from our perspective. Uh, you also mentioned, um, or we're going to get to Yao Cancelo going to Barcelona. That's an interesting signing for them at right back, an upgrade for them at that position. I think the, the deal is on a loan with an option to buy. Um, of course, that is pending all the levers that Barcelona can move and, and different things like that nature. So, um, you know, we'll see if that actually gets done, but another signing for, for Barcelona, I think an upgrade for them um, as they look to go into European football will be Huge. a really great fit for him uh, and, and for them too. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and the last one I want to touch on, uh, which is why Daniel had his hands in his head are the rumors of Mo Salah potentially moving to the Saudi league. There has been some rumblings that Saudis are willing to offer $150 million to Liverpool for Mo Salah, uh, 32 years old at this point. It seems like the, the, the definite upfront would be a hundred mil with some add-ons and some other pieces to make it 150. Uh, Daniel, of course, no one wants to see, you know, the Egyptian king move on. Um, but at this point in time, 150 mil for a 32-year-old Mosala, is that something that Liverpool cannot pass up? Again, all rumors at this point, nothing confirmed. But, um, you know, what is what are your thoughts there? So so I did 
I did talk about this um, with my buddy on Saturday as we were watching the match, and I think we were both at the consensus that if this was, I don't know, say two months ago with 150 mil, um, I think I'd be I'd be willing to uh, let him go. Um, but considering it's what three days, if that, by as we're recording, not even. Um, at the end of the transfer window, I mean, this we're talking about finding a guy to replace 30 goals at least a season. And I, I, I don't think at this rate, us selling Mo for th- 150, if we have to buy someone who scores in 30 goals uh, a week or a season, excuse me, I mean, I think that's going to cost maybe a little bit less, but not that much. So I don't think it would be good business at this point. Um, now I don't, I don't blame Mo if he leaves, um, just because I think he's had promises made when he signed that contract, uh, last, last, uh, season that there would be more investment in the squad. I think we've kind of done him dirty as being one of the better players of the last three years, if not the best, arguably. Um, so obviously I also think he's very aware of his status at Anfield. Um, I, I know that he doesn't want to ruin his club legend status. And I think him leaving us high and dry this late in the um, window would, would finish us, honestly. Um, and I think he still thinks we can challenge. Uh, maybe we do need another left center back and another center mid, and maybe a little bit more depth here and there. But uh, for the most part, I think, like you mentioned, we, we still have a chance to challenge for the title. And I think he's going to reject those offers go next summer and uh try to win one or two more trophies before he leaves so you heard it here first daniel not sold on the egyptian king can move on and uh doesn't need to be at liverpool anymore uh so we'll move on from that no i'm just kidding totally uh hear you on that i think to your point it is um the window and the timing just doesn't fit. If you'd done it earlier in the in the season, in the window, I think there's more time to replace him. Uh, I totally hear you on that and agree. It would be, it, you know, that is one of those things though. With the window lasting two weeks longer for Saudi, those, you know, what are those offers going to be? How much money are they going to throw at it? It will be interesting, and it'll be, you know, a really interesting time to see if if uh, if some of these players stay. Um, yeah. But moving moving on. Um, Running out of time here on the show, so we want to get through some of these segments here quickly. Uh, best 11, uh, we've talked about this last week. I know Daniel provided his best 11 last week, and I'm going to provide mine as well this week and going forward. So uh, why don't you run us through yours quickly here, Daniel? Thank you. So I uh, switched up the formation. I'm playing a 3-5-2 um, this week. I wanted to match yours. Um, so... I have in goal Allison. Um, enough said, really. He just, in performance of the season, honestly, we might look back at that one if we play second or first and be like, this is the reason why. Um, Matty Cash at right back, two goals. Him and Diaby look great, and he just happened to put the ball in the back of the net, so I, I got to give him his flowers. Um, Baidu, uh, 19 years old, scored a goal, looked great. Um, and then we have on the left side, Goosens had two goals for Union Berlin. Um, the Inter, I'm, I believe it's a loan um, on loan at Union Berlin, but scored two goals. Um, now in midfield, we got Bruno, Fernandes, 
goal and assist looked great. Um, was really just pulling the strings for United. Um, and the next, uh, there's this, this guy. We he's not flashy. He he just puts in a shift week in week out. I mean, if you've seen the out of context football tweet tweets, it's just green performance after green performance, and I don't think he ever goes below that. It is Rodri, game winner. I mean, he is the best CDM in the world, um, hands down. And uh, I think he doesn't get enough flowers for it. He scored in the Champions League final um, last season, so I just think that he's incredibly underrated. Um, and then we have. De Jong, who scored um, for Barca, he's he's had a good start to the season. Jared Bowen on the wings, um, and then we got Xavi Simmons on the other wing, two goals and an assist um, for him. He looks fantastic against Leipzig, and then Bonifaci, two goals for Leipzig up top, or sorry, Leverkusen up top, and then Darwin Nunez. For Liverpool, two goals in the game winner as well for Liverpool. Let's see your player of the week. So this was a, this was a tough one because obviously, as there's only so many top top performers, we're gonna try to keep our excise as different as possible. But it's really hard at times. So I decided to go. I mentioned this player a little bit earlier, um, a little bit against the grain here, um, but I'm gonna name Barons, the striker from Union Berlin. Had a hat-trick last week, had two goals this week. I mean, five goals in two games. 30-year-old who's never seen form like this in his entire life. I think he deserves his flowers, Matt. Uh, young player of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I am going to do a last-second change here. Oh, I am going... That. Because I mentioned him in my exile, I was going to do Xavi Simmons uh, just because his performance of the weekend and how good he's been. But I'm actually going to go with Lamine Yamal. I mean, that performance was warranted. I mean, he just was I a boys against it, didn't I? It was yeah, me. It did. was all my doing, wasn't it? Boys against men here, 16 year old, has braces. Guys just cooking average men, defenders with crooked teeth. I just think that's awesome. Um, La Masia graduate. Hopefully, it doesn't all go to his head. But if he has the examples like Gabi, Pedri, and other young Mbalde, like I forgot to mention earlier. Um, I think with those guys and a strong locker room, I, I'm not worried for his development, but obviously something to mention. Last segment for us tonight. Uh, we mentioned it last week. Daniel will be doing most of the betting, um, at least recommending, maybe not actually betting, but recommending for us. Did have a strong week last week, 2-1-1 one, and one on his prediction, so can't really yell at him, although maybe if you put the, the parlay together and didn't hit, that's a different story. I'll let you guys figure that out with Daniel. Um, but that being said, you do have a parlay this week that you want to play. Um, I've always been told never play the parlay, but, uh, you know, this is, this is your area. So give the people what they want. Give the people the big money bet here. Boys, we, we, we printed last week. Let's be honest. Any greens, good green. All right. Eat your vegetables. You'll go home happy. All right. So I, I decided to do a, a parlay of the week. Um, this is a six to one parlay, right? So we're, we're we're going and we want to rob the bookies here, guys. So what I have is I have five legs. All right, we got some heavy favorites and we got some 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 close favorites that I I, I am questioning why Vegas has these lines. So first. But not foremost, we have West Ham money line against Luton. Luton hasn't gotten a single point this year, and they're not going to start on Friday. They also played today, 
and did they get a win against a crap side? Yes. But Moyes and Co. and the Hammers are flying, and I think they are going to brush Luton aside easily at a minus 130. That could be a best bet in itself. You could take that straight and make plenty of money. Now, bet number two, you got Manchester City. Heavy, heavy, heavy favorites here. Um, but sometimes you just need... A, uh, a heavy favorite to uh, keep the parlay steady, right? So they play Fulham. Fulham played mid midweek. They played today as well. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty confident, even though that Fulham sold points off of Arsenal last week, that they're not going to stand a chance against City. Um, my third leg is Leverkusen minus 450, another heavy favorite. Um, I think that they they play uh, rel- or promoted side Darmstadt. I mean. It's not, I don't ever think this one. Leverkusen is obviously going to win this one eight times, nine times, ten times out of ten. Um, and then we have PSG. So a couple weeks ago, I, I wouldn't be taking PSG. But with Mbappe back, with Enrique Ball playing, I don't know, just really pretty football. I know they do play Lyon. At Lyon, but Lyon's pretty trash. I'm, I'm not really worried about this one. I think they, they drub them comfortably. Um, and last but not least, we have Spurs money line. Spurs, I mean, this is... Are we going to trust Big Ange here? And I decided to go with yes. They do play Burnley away. And uh, I just... I haven't seen enough from Burnley to give me any hope for them. I hope this isn't the leg that kills us. But I, I do feel confident about it, boys, so, so trust. Now, that is the parlay of the week. Now we have our four best bets. This is where we actually print. This is where it's business is business. We rob the bookies, and we don't look back. So first and foremost, we all bet overs because why bet the under? It's not fun. You don't want to cheer against goals. That's just That's just not my human nature here. So starting off, Marseille, Nantes. Over two and a half. I mean, Marseille, I have taken, taken Marseille every single week and it has not failed me once. Um, Nantes also gave up three goals to Monaco and it could have been a lot more. So I'm not really worried about this one. That's a uh, new sweat cash right there. Uh, Brest, Wren, over two and a half. Wren, goal scorers, Brest, concede a lot. I just like the matchup here at over two and a half. Um, Lens Monaco over three. You're going to see a trend here. Monaco is one of my favorite teams to take here, and I'm going to back them until they do me dirty. And so we're going to ride with them again at over three. Hasn't failed me yet. Lots of goals, lots of bad defending. So we'll see. And maybe the dumbest line I think I've ever seen, last but not least, Leipzig, Union, Berlin. Both sides have been pissing goals left and right. And you know what this line's at? Over two and a half. What is Vegas thinking? This team doesn't play defense. I Barron's has scored five goals in two games. I think he'll get a goal this this week against Leipzig, and Leipzig have looked so good going forward. I mean, this could be just your ironic stalemate, but I don't think so. And I'm gonna go take the over. Back to you, Matt. Well, you heard it here. Trusting Spurs on a bet is always questionable, but the man seems to know what he's doing, so we'll leave it there. Again, if you have any questions, any uh, concerns for the betting, uh, 
you know, you want to throw paper at, at him, uh, you can find the man at Liverpool CLTFC. You can find me at Life of M. Gesslin on Twitter. Please subscribe, download, uh, let us know what you think of the show. We always love to hear from you guys. Daniel, always a pleasure to talk European football with you, as always. And until we see you in the next one, enjoy the rest of the games. 